0: Welcome to Flirting with Bitcoin. I'm your host, Mandana Youssefi, and this is my boo, Ian Reese. Hey, do you have a second? Can you quickly check that you're subscribed to our podcast? We're on Apple, Spotify, Google, and the Fountain app. And make sure you're following us on Instagram and Twitter. That way you know every time there's a new episode of the Flirting with Bitcoin podcast. Now let's get back to flirting. Hey, Ian.
1: What is up?
0: Last week we talked about wallets. It was a really good conversation. If you aren't already handling our Bitcoin stuff, I think after that conversation I could have set up a wallet. Easy.
1: I have no doubt.
0: But I do know that those are the easiest wallets to get. They're actually physical devices. I want to get into that today.
1: When we were talking about those wallets, it doesn't matter which one, which wallet you're talking about. If you're starting cold, you would create like your first address. And I talked about like backing them up and you'd get these 12 12 words. From a security standpoint, those 12 words were generated on your phone. So we all know how secure cell phones are, (laughs) right?
0: Two-factor authentication.
1: Well, cell phones aren't (laughs) secure because if you think of like an Android phone, a lot of people don't know this about Android phones, but pretty much all the apps talk to each other. So you have this super important 12 words that you don't want Anyone to know, and your phone theoretically could be sharing them with other apps. In the Bitcoin world, you have hardware wallets as well. And it's a dedicated device to generate those 12 words for you. It's not connected to the internet, so nobody can ever get at those 12 words.
0: And what are these called?
1: These are called hardware wallets or hardware devices.
0: Okay, let's get into it. Okay, so you've convinced me. I need a hardware wallet if I'm going to be stacking up my stats, right? If I want a lot of Bitcoin long term, I need a hardware wallet. What are my options?
1: So this isn't even a long term thing. I think a lot of people in the future will probably start with a hardware wallet. The first hardware wallet that I use is from a company called Ledger. Ledger is this, I want to say it's a French company. I know they're European. I'm pretty certain they're French. And they make a hardware device that is really slick. It just looks good.
0: Ah, it's the aesthetic for me.
1: Yeah, it's like it's silver. It looks like a regular USB drive. It just looks really nice. It looks like probably the French designed it. But it's it's interesting because Ledger is a platform. So it's not just the hardware device. They also have like their own app, which is like a wallet. Um, you can buy and sell Bitcoin in there. They support a lot of other coins as well. They support a lot of altcoins.
0: So they're a Coinbase in the sense that Coinbase is an exchange. You said they also have wallets, but Ledger also has hardware wallets.
1: Yes, but If you have their hardware device, the 12 or 24 words, which Ledger uses 24 words, so it's twice as many words to remember, (laughs) these devices will generate those words inside of that hardware device and then display them to you only once. <gasps> so you write them down.
0: Only once?
1: And then they're stored inside. That's dramatic. I mean, it's secure, <laughs> right? Fair enough. Once you write them down, you could again take them to any of those wallets that we described in the previous episode and boom, you got your Bitcoin and your address and all that fun stuff and your keys, which is what you really want. So with Ledger, um, their first device, it was slick. It looked really good. Their second device is even sexier. It's got Bluetooth. Ooh. So you don't have to like plug it into a device. You can just connect to your phone via Bluetooth.
0: Wireless, baby.
1: Yeah. And so a lot of people were concerned about that, right? Like, so we talked about not allowing it to be connected to the internet, but then it's got Bluetooth. I'm not going to say to shy away from it. I think it's a very interesting device and it looks good.
0: But Bitcoin purists aren't a fan of that feature. No.
1: (laughs) And the fact that it supports all the altcoins. Right. right? That's also
0: always a red flag.
1: For Ledger, it's not really a red flag for them because they're just supporting what's in the market. If you're a Bitcoin purist, you would just find a hardware device that only supports Bitcoin. Right. And you don't worry about the security of how many other altcoins do we have to now secure on this device. So there's there's that aspect.
0: Right. The purist approach. It makes sense. So what options do purists have?
1: So for the purists... There's a company I keep talking about them a lot on this podcast. So the company's called Coinkite. Coinkite makes this hardware device called Cold Card. And the reason why it's called cold card in the Bitcoin world, when your Bitcoin's not an exchange and it's not on a wallet on your phone, when it's on an address that was generated by these hardware devices, right? It's considered to be in cold storage and it takes a lot more to move it and sell it. Like if you want to sell Bitcoin that's on your cold card, you got to first get it from the cold card to the exchange. So that's where the name cold card comes from it's cold storage for your bitcoin
0: and it's pure in what way
1: it's pure in that it only manages bitcoin
0: is that the only hardware wallet that's exclusively for bitcoin
1: um no but in in this episode i'm only talking about the ones that i know a lot about Mm -hmm. um i've never explicitly used the cold card but it is like the most rated wallet like if you go on twitter and say hey i need a wallet give me some (laughs) recommendations if no one recommends you cold card those are not Bitcoiners. They're the
0: popular girl in school.
1: But the company CoinKite has just, they make a lot of stuff for the Bitcoin community mm-hmm. and it's all really good. Awesome. It's all about not losing your Bitcoin for long periods of time.
0: So Bitcoiners approved. That says a lot.
1: Does say a lot because they don't like a lot of stuff. <laughs> if they don't. What else? So the next hardware wallet that I'd recommend is from a company that's pretty established in the Bitcoin community called Blockstream Jade. Blockstream is the name of the company, Jade is the name of the device. It works similar to the Ledger device and the cold card device. Is it pretty? No. (laughs)
0: With a name like Jade, how dare they?
1: Well, their wallet, so Blockstream makes a wallet also. And their wallet is called Green. So their hardware device is called Jade. Okay. But Blockstream is really cool. And this is a little tangent, but I do want to talk about this for a second. So Blockstream actually put a satellite into space. And that satellite is beaming Bitcoin transactions down to terminals. So in the event that the entire internet were to go out, Blockstream is still pushing the Bitcoin network around the planet. Talk about security. Exactly.
0: Very
1: nice. That's why Blockstream gets on this list, just because I don't know anybody else who has a Bitcoin satellite (laughs) in space. So they're also thinking long term recovery of the Bitcoin network. It's pushing all those transactions down through satellites to these terminals all over the planet. And as long as there's one computer on the entire planet that has the entire Bitcoin blockchain, that one computer can reboot the entire network.
0: Do you think that eventually it'll become the responsibility of governments to be establishing these fail-safe elements to the Bitcoin software project? Or will it always lie within these private companies that started this work now? Like wh- how, how many competitors are there? they're going to be for Bitcoin security 20 years from now, right? These are going to be the giants.
1: I think once countries start actually holding Bitcoin like as a reserve asset, the way they hold gold, mm-hmm. then you'll almost have to run your own node. Just like we run our node upstairs, the government's going to do the exact same thing. Like that box upstairs, <laughs> that box upstairs is all the government needs. Yeah. You can get more and spread them around the country, right? But the device upstairs is all the United States government needs to like secure its Bitcoin.
0: Oh, Microsoft is shaking.
1: Shaking. amazon might be shaking and aws because right now aws makes its money from look you don't want to run your own servers mm-hmm. let us do that for you. you just pay us amazon tax and we'll keep everything running and distributed all over the planet but with the bitcoin world it doesn't really need an entire data warehouse to be a validator and when the government gets into bitcoin mining which they will
0: they probably already have and haven't told us probably right because <laughs> they don't
1: feel the need to tell anybody anything but when governments get into bitcoin mining they will de facto be running full nodes and de facto keeping the network alive.
0: That's really interesting. So is there another hardware wallet you wanted to talk about?
1: So the last wallet that I want to recommend is a wallet called Trezor. And we'll link to all of these in the podcast description, but I'm going to spell it out anyway. So T-R-E-Z-O-R, Trezor. Trezor is really cool because, you know, Ledger, as I said earlier, they have their, their hardware device and then they have like this app. But that app you have to install. It's like an installable app. Trezor, you plug it into your computer on the device is like a web page. You don't install anything. Like everything you need to like manage your Bitcoin is on the device. The
0: application on the device. Yes, yeah.
1: Trezor, it's one of the more expensive ones, probably because of that. And also just because they're very popular. But I know a lot of people that use Trezor for that particular reason, which is I don't want to have to take my laptop with the Ledger app installed on it. I'll just take my Trezor and give me any laptop and I can plug in and send you Bitcoin and then take it out. It's you...
0: like how you see things happen happen in the movies very much yeah it's the future
1: coin kite is actually making a nfc tap to pay type of card mm. And so that will definitely be like you see in the movies where I tap that's literally signing the transaction and now you just have a piece of plastic in your wallet. Ah,
0: that's so exciting. We live in the future. Thanks for the reminder, babe.
1: If you go deep into the Bitcoin world and find like the really interesting projects, the future is being developed right now. Like you can watch certain things being developed. People post videos of like, I finally got this thing to work. Look, I'm tapping and paying with my Bitcoin. Like,
0: yeah, okay, so like that's so exciting. And then you think about like all of these garbage NFT fake scams. That's just a waste of time. This is what we should be paying attention to.
1: I 100% agree. And the reason why none of those will ever be able to compete is because first you gotta stand up your entire network (laughs) and get everything working before you can start doing the cool stuff. And Bitcoin has been up and running for a decade. All the cool stuff is starting now. So if you're starting a new crypto project today, you're 10 years behind tap to pay with your Bitcoin.
0: So you know when you're dating someone, it's like a prospect and you're weighing your options in that situation. It's really telling when you can see your future with them. (laughs) <laughs> and I can, I can see a future with Bitcoin.
1: Yeah, what does that future look like?
0: It looks efficient.
1: Very efficient.
0: We are always trying to give people our money, and the system makes it so difficult. And it's
1: by design.
0: It's by design.
1: Bitcoin removes inefficiencies from the monetary system. And when you remove inefficiencies from any system, it's very hard to predict what that new system will look like.
0: How exciting. I can't wait. Thank you.